0: Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now, here's this week's message. Adapt your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7 this morning. It says, But when the kindness of the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we just thank You, God, for Your presence in this service, and Lord, when it comes to the preaching of the Word this morning, we ask also, Lord, for You to manifest Yourself in our hearts and through Your Word this morning. Father, we pray that You touch each person, each heart, God, not only in this room this morning, but also those that may be watching online. May You stir in their hearts also, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. As we read this passage of Scripture, it's very clear that this passage speaks of the gift of salvation. Not only that, but it also depicts the triune Godhead in the plan of salvation. You know, salvation is a plan from God. It didn't just, He didn't wake up and say one day, hey, we're going to have salvation, but this has been something in the work for quite some time. In verse 5, we find where it says, but according to His mercy, He saved us. That's talking about the Father, talking about the Father. And then in verse 5 again, by the washing of a regeneration and renewing, speaks of the Holy Spirit. So we have two of the triune God. And then we have verse 6, which it says, through Jesus Christ, which speaks of the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice that in verse 4 it says, but by the kindness and the love of God, salvation has been offered. But by the kindness and the love of God. Zoe just sung, sang saying about the love of God and what that meant, that it was bigger than any sin, bigger than what we've done. And I think about this when I read this scripture, I think of the fact that the Bible speaks of the fact that it was the love of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that said, we will present salvation as a gift to the human man or humankind. God loves us so much. Amen. God loved us enough that He would have this plan of salvation. One person made this comment when it came to salvation. I don't understand the electric, I don't understand electricity, but I'm no fool. I'm, going, I'm not going to sit around in the dark till I do. Then he said, I don't understand the thermos, thermos dynamics of internal combustion and the hydraulics of an automatic transmission either but I'm no fool, I'm, going to go, I'm, going to stay. I'm not going to stay in one place until I do. In other words, he don't understand how a car operates, but he's going to go ahead and use it, even though he doesn't understand it. The truth is, I don't understand a great deal of things that are part of my everyday life, but I make them part of my everyday life. The same is true of salvation. No one will fully understand how God became man and how He could die, how His death could be the basis of our forgiveness and how He could give you and me new life, all of the other aspects of salvation. But only a fool would ignore such a great opportunity just because he didn't understand it. And I believe sometimes that's some people's hindrance is they try to understand too much when they just need to accept it by faith. Did you know that there have been millions upon millions that have come to the Lord without understanding completely what happens at the moment of salvation and even the extremes that God went through in order to offer salvation to every human being? There's many that have no idea, no understanding at it all, but they have have come to know the Lord as their personal Savior in Jesus Christ. And I think if we're honest with one another, we didn't understand it all either. And I still don't understand it all. But I came by faith and I believe God and His Word. But I want to say this this morning, but a Christian should never remain at the level, at that level of understanding. We shouldn't remain at the level of understanding that we made our confession and repentance at the altar. There should be something deeper in each one of our lives. As the writer wrote in Hebrews, we must move past the introductory level in our relationship with Christ. We must go beyond those basic principles and learn some things about what happened. What caused this? What happened that moment? You see, I believe there's a spiritual strength acquired when we start to understand more about what happened at salvation. There's a spiritual strength that we can have in our lives when we start to understand literally what happened. And also, we will come to realize that the Holy Spirit has and is working more in our lives than we ever thought He was. When we start to look at this moment. Also knowing what happens at salvation will equip us to fight the devil. What I'm saying this morning, there's some things if we will dig deeper than just saying, I got saved. If we dig deeper, we will have spiritual strength. If I dig deeper, I will be equipped to fight the enemy when he comes at me. If I dig deeper, I'm going to realize uh, the Holy Spirit started working in me, and He's still working in me. He continues to work in me. I'll realize that He is very, very active in my life. The Holy Spirit. Because sometimes we look at those that are being used in the gift of the spirits or somebody else and we think, well, the Holy Spirit's working in them, but they're not working, He's not working in me. I'm going to tell you, when we understand salvation a little better, we'll understand that He's working in you also. He works in all of us in a powerful way. I want to spend some time this morning digging into the gift of salvation. Now I'm not going to go through all of it because we haven't got time to go through all of it this morning. I'm going to tell you Jesus paid the price for the gift to offer. And that's what we talked about this morning with communion. We must respond though as God would have us to respond to enjoy salvation. All of us must have that same response. The follower of Christ, if you have not noticed, is labeled with many different words. Sometimes we're called Christians... Sometimes we're called disciples, and sometimes we're called believers. Those in the old or the New Testament, when the church was first uh, born and birthed in the New Testament, they were called the way. Many times we hear different things, but another word that is used often when it talks about someone that follows Christ is that they're a convert. A new convert. And it's a word that is powerful when you really look at it and what it means because it actually explains a little bit about what happened at salvation for you and I. What took place when we gave our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The word convert. Convert means that we have had a conversion from one thing to another. The word is very important when we talk about salvation so I'm going to spend some time looking at that this morning. The first thing I want to point out is that a conversion is a must to receive salvation from God. I know what I'm fixing to say is not normally, or maybe not be accepted by everybody, but that's okay, but I believe the Word of God can back it up this morning. Conversion is a must to receive salvation from God. It's something that we have gotten away from in the church today because we're wanting to build numbers instead of building converts, instead of building disciples. We're looking at, can I fill that sanctuary up? And we've got away from from basic teachings of what it means to be saved. And we wonder why people come to the altars and they don't come back. And I'm going to tell you it's time that we get into the house of a God and preach the Word of God again about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to go over a little bit of that this morning. It's called doctoring a little bit. Doctoring good because that's where we find our basics of what we believe. Conversion is a must to receive salvation from God. Conversion simply means to turn from sin to God. When we speak of it in the the Christian realm of language, it means to turn from sin and to God. In its simplest form. One of the things that it takes when we talk about conversion is that the Holy Spirit begins this work in a person. I've heard people say, well, I just thought I'd get up and get saved today. You don't get saved without the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John chapter 6.44. He says, Jesus said that no man come unless the Father draw him. No man comes unto Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus for salvation. And no man comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him. The wooing of the Father... The wooing, I love that word. The wooing of the Father. That of just calling you, the bringing you in, and asking you and, and pleading with you. The wooing of the Father is, comes to you by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, speaking into your heart and into your life. The wooing of the Father that is brought to you through the Holy Spirit. And He woos a person that's not saved. He speaks to that person. He encourages. He'll even have a conversation with that person if they have questions. John 16.8 says this, And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What is that speaking of? That's talking about Jesus talking to the disciples about the Holy Spirit coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict... The word also means convince. He will convince you of the need of Jesus in our lives. The wooing of the Lord is through the Spirit convincing and convicting. The scripture goes on to say, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the rule of this world is judge. One of the main sources, listen, one of the main sources that the Holy Spirit uses to accomplish His Word is the Word of God. Romans says says this in chapter 10, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. My friend, may I tell you, it's important that you preach it, I preach it, we teach it, because it's the main source of the Holy Spirit to woo somebody into a relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Word of God. The Word of God. Where do we hear the Word? We hear it through preaching. We hear it through songs that will actually include the Scripture in their words. We also hear it, we hear the Word of God also through the words that we share with somebody. That's why it's important that we witness. We witness not what we think, we witness what the Bible says because the Holy Spirit woos through what we're saying. I am not, when I go to witness somebody, I'm not on, I'm by myself. The Holy Spirit's involved in it. Amen. He woos them by the Word of God. Listen, I have witnessed literally this wooing as I preach. I have seen people with tears just coming down their cheek as the Holy Spirit moves upon them and causes them. To think about where they're at and what they need to do. I've seen it when music is being played words that honor God, words that worship God, words that got the gospel inside of it in that music song where people just weep. I had a lady that's akin to me, says, I don't like coming to your church. All I do is cry. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I told her, I said, that's the Holy Spirit. When you're feeling the presence of the Lord, that's the Holy Spirit wooing. Who is that? That's the Father calling you, drawing you to Him through the Spirit of God. And sometimes people walk out with their tissue and never answer what God's trying to do. God the Creator is trying to woo you into a relationship with Him. The wooing of the Spirit. The Spirit is very involved in us being saved. Oftentimes we don't really realize it. We think, well, it's just the baptism which I'll be preaching about next Sunday, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. but the Spirit has a lot more things that he's doing this than just baptizing. The Lord baptizes you in him. That wooing of the Spirit. I love services where the Holy Spirit is wooing people. Amen, How many of you know that we need more of those? More of those moments of God coming down among us and moving upon a heart and bringing that convincing and that convicting. I would not be saved if the Holy Spirit did not woo me unto the Father. I would have walked in a sinner and left a sinner. And probably would not even be alive today if it wasn't but what the Lord done in my life. Can I tell you this morning, this is not initiated by you. This is all initiated by God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Creator of all things. Thinking about it. The One that spoke into darkness and things that we see now exist. Takes a moment to come down in the middle of this gym that we're having church in, right to that one seat, and say, I am wanting you to be part of our family. Now that's powerful. Come on. Somebody should have got up and shouted. When we think about Him Loving you so much. I often look at the map, the globe, and I, I try to find Israel on the globe and you can't hardly see it. It's just like a dot, but God loves Israel. Can you imagine how much of a dot you are on this earth and He comes down right into your seat and says, I want you, hallelujah, I want you to be part of the family of God. I'm going to tell you, never think you're not loved, never think you're not cared for, because God takes a moment to have a conversation with you. Wow. Wow. Mm -mm -mm. when that wooing comes and God's desired response to this conviction is that we have a conversion in our life when it comes his desire is that we have a conversion he doesn't just want to talk to you and he doesn't just want to talk to me but he's talking with a purpose how many of you have people in your life when they come you know they're coming with a purpose How many of you got kids that are grown? When they come, you know they're coming with a purpose. Two hands back there. When the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come to us, He's coming with a purpose, and that is so that you can respond and have a conversion in your life. That you may be saved. The conversion is a response of the sinner to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's a response to the the conviction of the Holy Spirit to have that conversion. That's how you respond properly. That's what God is looking for, that type of response in our life. Repentance and faith are found in this act of converting. You've got to have a couple of things in this act of converting and... Two of those things found within that word, wrapped up in that word, is repentance and faith. The Greek word for repentance is methanoia, means a change of mind, literally a fundamental change of attitude for the rest of our lives. To repent, it's not talking about just being in emotions. It's not talking about just for a second until I get out of the church building. It's talking about I have a fundamental change in what I think and the way I'm going to live. I've heard the good news. I believe the good news. I am surrendering my life to God. I'm repenting from where I am. It's not a temporary thing. It's that I'm going to serve God come higher or, or, or high water. Too many westerns. Okay. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. It's a change of things I once did to a change of things I'm going to do. It's talking about turning your life around and you're going to do it. It is accompanied with some remorse. It's got emotions wrapped up in there. If you come down and you're not sorry for the way you've been living, something has not taken place. It's remorse. It's talking about a genuine sorrow for the way I've lived my life. It's got to be there. It's all wrapped up in this word we call conversion. It's called repentance. And you've got to feel sorry for the way you've been living. And it's also a willful commitment when we talk about repentance. A willful f- commitment unto God from this moment on. Come on, I, I stood up 35 years ago, almost 35 years ago, and made a covenant relationship with my wife. And I said, I give you all what, whatever it is. But I made that commitment. That's what's wrong with a lot of... Marriage is something that commitment means something, and it's the same thing with a lot of people that come to the altar. They do not repent completely because they do not make a willful commitment unto God for eternity. Come on, we say, Till life do us, or till death do us part. Why don't we say, Till the rapture takes me, or I breathe my last breath? I'm going to be committed to God. It's a commitment that's wrapped up in that word repentance, also, that says, I'm going to be committed unto you. No matter how sister so-and-so treats me or brother so-and-so. The other aspect of that word conversion we talk about is faith. It's in that word that we have heard. There's an intellectual part of it. Come on, you've got to hear the Word of God to be saved. And you think about that, that faith, I'm going to believe. You can't believe on something that you haven't heard. Come on, you've got to have faith. and you've got, That's why it's important, church, that we teach the gospel we preach the gospel we share the gospel because it's something that they have to act on it's an intellectual thing and you got to get past even in faith there's some emotions in faith hey amen right, i have an altar call you come down for what i've said and all of a sudden you're in the presence of god how many of you like being in the presence of the lord I mean, I'm going to tell you, you may get some Holy Ghost goosebumps and you'll feel something, oh, I don't know what that is, but it just feels so good and all that. And you get kind of emotional about what's happening. And so there's some emotional parts about being saved. Someone says, I don't know, I just feel so good in the presence. And you might be not able to describe it, but I'm going to tell you, your faith can't stay right there. Your faith also, in that word repentance, has got to make a, a commitment. It says, I'm turning by faith away from my old life, and I'm turning toward God. There's a commitment factor in the fact that you have made a statement that you're going to have a conversion in your life. True conversion will always have faith toward God. You'll live your life toward God. You will live for God. See, faith makes genuine disciples. It makes that moment in your life that you have a genuine disciple in the church of God that says, I'm going after the Lord. I'm going to learn about the Lord. I'm going to tell you this morning we cannot take Jesus as our Savior and not take Him as our Lord. You can't do it. It's almost like trying to have your cake and eat it too. You can't have Jesus as your Savior and not have Him as your Lord. And that that irritates some folks when you preach that and say, hey, you've got to have Him as Lord. The word believe, if you even look at the word believe in John 3.16, it's talking about becoming a disciple and following. Yes, there's people, there's historians. The devil will tell you Jesus walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. There's plenty of people that believe Jesus, but the word believe means to be a disciple, to be a follower, to let Him be your master, and let Him be your Lord of your life. That's what this word means. When we can We convert from being in bondage of the world into now we are under the mastership of Jesus Christ. That's conversion. He now is my Lord. Living my life for the Lord. True conversion. That means I have made my mind up. I've seen where I was at. I didn't like it. I'm sorrowful. I'm weeping. I don't like my old sinful life. I think every conversion should have some tears in it. Either tears of sorrowfulness or tears of joy. Amen? And I have turned from that. Now I'm turning to God. I've converted. I've made a commitment. I don't care what happens. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what my world thinks. I'm serving God. That's a converting conversion. Now listen. It doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop there. Converting unto God ushers some wonderful things into a person's life. What happened? I made that mind up. What happened to me? It ushers some wonderful things into our life. When we truly have a conversion at the altar, now we get to experience some wonderful things in our life. The first thing is our guilt from our old sinful life has been taken away. Whew. Aren't you glad? Our guilt has been taken away. I love that old, that old song that said, Rolled away. Some of y'all remember that. It's actually a scriptural song. Our sins are taken away. At that moment that we truly have a conversion. Remember, conversion is truly making a commitment unto God. Our sins then are rolled away. Amen. Are forgiven. Psalms 103.12 says, As far from the east as from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. You can go outside and go east. You'll never catch west. It's what's being said. Your sins are thrown completely away. In Micah 7, 18 and 19, it says, Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of His heritage? He does not retain His anger forever because He delights in mercy. Thank God. And He will again have compassion on us and He will subdue our iniquities and you will cast our sins into the sea. Not to be remembered anymore. It doesn't matter. Church, I don't, I'm tired of people putting on labels on people. Well, they can't be forgiven. Or they've been too bad. I don't read that in the Word of God. The Bible says, whatever you've done can be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And He can take your old sins and throw them away if you will be but converted unto God. Converted unto God. Have a conversion in your life. And then Jesus takes the eraser and he takes your account, which had sin charged to it, and he erases that sin off. Hallelujah! Praise be unto God. It doesn't, church, we've got to understand whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that time. This brings in this word that we call it's a biblical word. For this, what I've just talked about, is called justification. It's a biblical word. You know, I was talking to my class this morning, we was talking about memorizing Scripture. The Jewish kids go to school starting at age 6, and by age 10 they can quote, memorize and quote the the, uh, Torah, the first five books. And we think they can't memorize something for a, a play. Come on, we need to quit thinking our kids can't memorize. We need to quit thinking that. And the Word of God speaks this very thing. It, it talks of this fact that we ought to use, we should use some words that have a little meat in them. Justification has some meat in them. Or in it, when we talk about this word, which means this, listen, justification is amazing news that we are no longer guilty. Hmm. Praise God. We have been restored into right relationship with God. There's no more enmity or no more war between us and God that started in Genesis 2 when when Eve took that old fruit and ate of it and we had enmity between us and God until that moment our relationship was broken. But when we have a true conversion in our life, we have justification and now we are no longer at war with God or enmity. No more rebellion. See, our wages were death, but now we get the gift of eternal salvation. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now that I have a true conversion in my life, now instead of death, I have eternal life. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you got something to look forward to? Eternal life. Not only that, because of what we're talking about at this very moment, our sins being forgiven, in the word of justification, we experience the imputation of righteousness. Now I want you, the righteousness is imputed upon us at a true conversion. When I come down, my account is charged with nothing but sin, 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 sin. And oh, He's been good there, but we're still going to put it on the wrong side. And when Jesus erases that account, I love that old song, The old account was settled long ago. Long ago, how many of you all remember that? And here we know that He erases that. But now my account is charged. It means imputed. It literally means it has now been put up on me in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How can I go into the throne room of God with boldness? Because I have the righteousness, regeneration of the Spirit. This comes from an impartation of the Holy Spirit into us. When I'm truly converted, let me know God knows whether you're converted or not. And when I'm truly converted, all of a sudden, in a, in a moment, the Holy Spirit is imparted to me. An impartation. Now, listen, I see people all the time, well, I'm going to impart the Spirit to you. I'm going to do this and that. My friend, I think we spend way too much time on goofiness. And we need to just listen to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, when I'm saved, the Holy Spirit is already imparted to me. I had a guy in camp where he come in, he had a little anointing on, he says, I'm going to give you the anointing. Come over here, Pastor. I'm going to pray for you. And I said, I already got the anointing. I don't need your prayer over me. Amen. I know that was rude, but I get tired of that nonsense. The impartation of the Spirit. When I truly have been converted, I have the Holy Spirit that comes inside of me and He fills the occupancy as much as He can and I have got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. One third of the Trinity of God dwelling in me and they all visit every now and then. Hallelujah. God comes in. Hallelujah. That impartation. Literally, the Spirit of God now dwells in us. Mm. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. In here. Upon true conversion, Holy Spirit comes in. His fruit now is to flow through us. Come on, I... I You know, when you get something put in in the water or whatever color dye, it makes that whole water like that. When you get the Holy Spirit in you at conversion, now the fruits of the Spirit can start stirring up. That person you once hated, now you can love. Come on, that person that did you wrong, now you can love. That person, or whatever it was that you struggled with now, you can have the fruit of the Spirit because now He is dwelling in you At salvation. He comes in. He's imparted to you. You don't have to go seeking. If you have a true conversion, that's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes in. And we call that the new birth. Now you're operating. You've got a new operating system coming in. Amen? Fruits of the Spirit. According to this, we have become a new creation. Upon true conversion, now we understand what it means to be a a new creation. It says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now I am a new creation in God. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I have a new thinking ability now. God will regenerate my mind and renew my mind through the Spirit. And I like this part. This is all because we've had a true conversion. We are now part of the family of God. I had a salesman come to me one time and he said he was a Christian and he says, all the people are God's children. And I said, no, they're not. And we're on the counter of the parts store and he says, yes, they are. I said, no, they're not. He says, yes, they are. I said, no, they're not. It's not until you get converted. It's not until you get saved do you become a child of the living God. Oh, listen to what the Lord told the Pharisees. Your father is the devil. Is God wrong or is that salesman right? I don't know. I do know God is right. We don't become part of the family until we are converted, washed by the blood of Jesus, have the Spirit imparted unto us, and we become part of the family. We are adopted. Romans 8.15 For did you not receive the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the Spirit of adoption. That impartation of the Spirit in you now has labeled you and sealed you. His name is written on you. And you're written in the book of life because of what took place at that day that you were converted. Although this took me a minute to preach. Well, a few minutes. I was trying to quote Dave. He always says a minute. Although this took me a little bit to preach it, let me tell you something. What I spoke of takes just a second. Just a moment. Just a moment. Have you ever, you say, well, that's impossible for all that to happen. I didn't even describe everything that happens. I mean, I didn't go into detail because we all I don't know y'all wouldn't stay here that long. But it just takes a moment, a minute second for all this to take place. You know what does it? It wasn't me, was it? Okay. <laughs> You know what does this? Literally, have you ever clicked on a, a file on a computer and hit download? And all of a sudden, it, boom, it's on your computer, just like that. You know what the key point is to click on? When the Lord sees that we are truly Converted. That moment we confess with a true heart, that moment that we confess completely unto the Lord, say, I'm tired of the old life, I'm sorry for it, I'm converted. At the moment we get to that moment, the Holy Spirit of God goes, whoom, and that's where you feel. I don't know what happened, but it was good. (laughs) It's that moment, just that quick. Can God do something that quick? God can do something way quicker than man can even think of. At that moment when you get up after true conversion, you have the Spirit in you, you have righteousness put upon you, you are a child of the living God. You may have came in a devil, but you go out a child of God. Hallelujah. All in just a moment of a second. It doesn't take a long time. Conversion happens that quick. Oliver, if you'll come, Pastor. It takes just a moment. Paul. The persecutor of the church thought he was doing God a favor. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus one day. Acts chapter 9. Bright light showed. Paul fell to the ground. And the Lord said this to Paul. Listen, the word, why do you persecute me? And immediately, just like that, Paul goes, oh Lord, come on. Sometimes we miss how quick it is. He says, oh Lord. He said, and he didn't say something, well, I've heard about you, Jesus of Nazareth. The presence and the Lord speaking the word, the Holy Spirit in the midst of that, because the Holy Spirit had already been released and put on the man, and all of a sudden, John, he said, Lord. I had a guy say, well, he wasn't saved yet. And I said, yes, he was. He was saved just like that. That quick. You know what happened to Paul that moment? He had a true conversion. You read the Scripture, most of the New Testament is written by him. A lot of it is. And you read him, he did not go never again the other direction. He had a conversion that day all the way to the moment they took his head off. And the Bible says that he was, not the Bible, but history says this, that he was his head bounced three times as they decapitated him. But you know what? He was still converted that day, my friend. I do believe you can be once saved and always saved if you have a true conversion in your life because it's then that you say, I'll never look back. I'm not here for the emotions. I'm not here just to confess. But a true conversion says, I am going to be a child of the living God until Jesus comes back one day. Oh, people, let it be a conversion in our life. Hallelujah. Because see, I see many come down here And they all repent and and they'll confess and they get into the presence. They have emotions. But they go right back in their old sinful life. To them, I say they never had a conversion. Come on, we say a lot of people are backslidden when they never really were saved. Well, I know that's tough preaching for today. And it won't fill the house. But I'm saying we don't have time to be talking stuff that's not true anymore. Oh, my heart desires to see people come to the altar and have a true conversion. It's in that con- true ber- conversion that people get saved and people's lives are changed. And you know, I want to tell you something. That you didn't have that conversion a long time ago. You've got to stay on top of it. You've got to keep your fire burning. Every head bowed just for a moment. Let's say, Pastor, right now, I need to have that true conversion in my life. I need to totally surrender everything to God. I need to turn from that old life and turn to this new one. I understand what it means now to be saved. I need to do that this morning. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Anybody? We have time this morning. Anybody would say, that's me, Pastor, this morning. Amen. Amen amen holy spirit's moving holy spirit's moving hallelujah 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 lord you've seen the hands this morning and i know the spirit of god is moving in here